Bo Bishop, Johnny Ginter here, Dubcast. Here we are again. It's Indiana week, buddy. Yay. Rutgers week, buddy. I mean, this is <laughs> all jacked up. Um, God, it's it's funny. Just when I said that, I was reminded of Wedding Crashers, and that is such an underrated scene when Owen Wilson and Vince Vaughn are going quail hunting, and, and <laughs> Owen Wilson is saying he was wishing they were fighting like a more worthy adversary, and Vince Vaughn goes right into like the hunting, like, you know, an, an effing human, I think is what he says. <laughs> That'll get you jacked up. Like, it's just one of those great... Those movies... Those movies are always better when they just get really weird. You know what I mean? Well, like, don't you think, like, when I agree with you, don't you think that from the time they land on the coast, at, like, the Maryland coast, at yeah. the house, to the time they leave, is that hour is among the funniest hours in the history of film. I've never, it, I mean... It's really good. It's, it's really so good. Great. I wouldn't say that it's, one hour I wouldn't say that it's good. the funniest, but I, like I said, like, Man, I'm a good. dude... I'm a dude who really loves the weird stuff. Like I like the other guys a lot, you know, with Will Ferrell and uh, Mark. You know, Wahlberg. I haven't seen that. God, that it, that's good. Here's the thing. Like that whole genre where it's like the the buddy kind of thing and and yeah. whatnot, and the you know the Will Ferrell and the I forget who like is kind of the mastermind of those those kind of movies. But Adam McKay, um, I think, is his name. Yeah, Adam McKay. Adam McKay. Like I I love it when they just take it to really weird, goofy. Okay, places. let me let me test you on something because you brought up Will Ferrell and it was okay. remind, and Adam McKay and that whole group of people. Danny right. McBride's in that group with that Jody yes. Hill guy who did Eastbound and Down, which had its fair share of hilarious stuff and weird and all that. Did you yes. watch Vice Principals? I've seen a couple episodes. I haven't seen like the whole run. Okay, that, that that's a real shame because the, Vice Principals. I love Danny McBride. Loved Eastbound and Down. And I love Walton Goggins, who is in Justified. And he's unbelievable. The, he's just fantastic. And he was yeah. great in The Shield. Um, so they're in this. So I started watching it. And it kind of grew on me. And then, buddy, it finished in the most, I think, wrong way <laughs> I've ever seen anything <laughs> finish. Like, it was so off-tone from the rest of it. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm curious. You'll have to see, see if you can catch up between now and, and okay. the, in the next couple of weeks. And, just, and at the end, now I'm kind of... I'm going to set it up for you, but I think even with the setup, you're still going to be like, that is the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. What an absurd turn. So we'll test your weird, funny uh, (laughs) with vice principals. Um, There's no testing this Ohio state football team. And you know, we run, you and I were talking before we started recording and it's just hard because you just heap praise on this team over and over and over again and over and over and over. And look, they had this thing, they had this, they had the cover by the end of the third quarter. Right. It was done. And Johnny, they didn't even start great. They started pretty <laughs> poorly. And they just they just waterfall points on you. I mean, it's unbelievable how fast they score, how great they are on defense. I mean, I look at them and I go, you're not supposed to be this good this quick. You're just not. Right. You're not can, I, supposed can I ask to you something? Yeah, go ahead. Have they strung together two even mediocre quarters so far? I think they've had like one, maybe like subpar one, but I, I can't think of a game where like there were as a half or at least, you know, no, the second or third quarter where you're like, this isn't looking great. Like, I think they've had like one mediocre and maybe two games and that's it. They've had a couple of bad first quarters. They didn't have yeah. a great first quarter against what Tulsa, I think. Didn't they start slow against Tulsa? That they first did, and yeah. second quarter, I was at a bar in downtown Cleveland watching that and I can't remember. It all kind of bled together. Um, and, and then they had, they didn't have a great start to the Rutgers game, but this thing was just over so quickly and it was such an overwhelming performance and you just heap praise on something over and over again. It it becomes redundant. And I was asked something today on a radio call I did up in Cleveland today. 
Um, and I talked about it a little bit with Dustin Fox yesterday when I was on with him on 92.3 The Fan up here. And we were, we were talking about, like, does this team have any weaknesses? Right. And I, you know, and someone asked me that. And I thought, well, inexperience, I think, was a weakness. But they went into Norman and handled yeah. their business. And they kind of took, they didn't get a, you know, it wasn't a right hook, but I mean, or a left hook. I mean, but it was a, it was a nice opening shot for Oklahoma to go right down the field and get a field goal and kind of feel like, okay, we can handle, we're going to go right down the field and score on you at home. And it was like, they just no big deal. So like, what is the weakness of this team? And I was talking to Finkus today when we were taping the television show on Time Warner Cable Sports Channel, and he brought up something. I'm going to, I'm going to put some things out there, throw them to the table and, and we can kind of go over them a little bit. Okay. So, Finkus said he w- that if this team had a weakness, one of the weaknesses that potentially could be there, just because it hasn't been tested, is the defensive tackles. He would know more about that than me. That was his position, and and he's watching those things. I'll be very candid. I'm not. I'm not checking out how the defensive tackles are doing on a play-in, play-out <laughs> basis. But he he said that there was a con- that that they will be tested in a different way at Wisconsin and Michigan State and Michigan. Um, and as far as I'm concerned, on that point. He made it. He played the position. He knows. I'm not going to question it. I'll take him at his word at that. I mean, I'm, I'm smart enough. The man's got to know his limitations, and mine are defensive tackle film breakdown. Um, <laughs> so, so, so humble. I don't know, do you feel different from me on that? <laughs> um, um, I don't. I mean, here's the thing. Like, I I would agree that they have not played a team that has tested them in that way. I mean, obviously, the blocking schemes and all that kind of stuff is going to be different from playing Tulsa and from playing Wisconsin or Michigan State or whoever. But if that's really what you're getting down to, if, the, if that's what you're worried about, then you're doing okay as a team. I, you know, again, I, I think for me, it's always been injuries and depth. You know, like there yeah. have been a significant amount of injuries in the first several games. And while I don't think it's really hurt the overall performance of the team, I mean, you can't allow that stuff to pile up. So that that to me is a little bit worrisome. But if, if we're talking about defensive line play, like I'm not, it's not freaking me out. Um, no. especially with the way the defensive backs have played and that allows the linebackers to play up a little bit closer and prevent that kind of thing. So I'm not, yeah, that to me is not a huge concern. I don't think. Yeah. And to be perfectly fair to Maddie, it wasn't for him either. He was just, yeah. he, we were all just kind of searching for things. What could it be? You know, I heard uh, Luke Fickle say something today again, when we were taping the show and he's, he was talking about his defense and about how they've out, they've scored more touchdowns and more points than people have scored against them. And Kevin Wilson said it today on the, on the, on the call saying, you know, they would, they'd be undefeated if their offense didn't score a point, which is crazy to think no matter who you play, especially considering you played Oklahoma. Um, but what, what fickle said was, he said, we have to make sure that we don't believe the headlines. Yeah. And that's an interesting one to me that that will be an interesting place for this team because they are currently the co-favorite with Alabama. I saw today, the co-favorite with Alabama on one betting service to win the national title. I think like three okay. to one, right? Buddy, you don't lose Zeke Elliott, Joey Bosa. I mean, I'm not, <laughs> we don't even know the names. You don't lose all those guys. And by the beginning of October, be a co-favorite to win the national title. The 2014 yeah. team with all of its talent. And we see it all as it's, you know, showcased for us every single Sunday. Now with all the talent that was on that team, that team, was off the grid. That team was not ranked in the top 15 to start October. That team was ranked, I think, 13th or 14th in the country, and they went to East Lansing. That was not a team that anybody thought could win the national championship. I remember sitting in the press box when JT Barrett went down against Michigan. I looked over to Matt Barnes, who was at Channel 4 at the time, and I said, they're done. 
There's yeah. no way they're getting in the national championship, the, the college football playoff, with a quarterback that nobody has seen play. They got to beat Wisconsin. Their quarterback, who finished fifth in the Heisman, is not going to play the rest of the year. You think the college football committee is going to take that team? Well, who would have, who could have foreseen what they did against Wisconsin? I mean, it just wasn't in the cards. So that team was able to come from behind the pack. This team has has a bullseye on it. It's back now, and will the rest of the year. And one thing that I think hurt last year's team was all of the distractions that come with being the defending national champions and having all those kids come back. And I'm talking about going to the ESPYs. I'm talking right. about tweeting with Ronda Rousey. I'm talking about <laughs> all of that stuff, all of the trappings, all of the fame. I mean, that comes with that. I mean, he's, by Braxton Miller was the most famous person on Ohio State's campus for all the time he was there. But, but in his senior season, he was like the sixth most famous player on his own team. You know, like that's how out of control it got. I mean, Cardale Jones was a huge celebrity last summer, you know, before yeah. that year, you know, and that, so you have to deal with that. And how will this team deal with that? That that was an interesting thing that Luke brought up to me. So I was actually thinking about that a little bit. And one of the things that kind of comes to me is that I believe in college football, maybe more than any other sports, uh, at least collegiate sports people really place a value on experience, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Like it makes sense, right? The more you play, the, the more you'll be able to you know, deal with stuff. But there has been such an embedded attitude. I think in college football is where you've got to be like an upperclassman. You got to be a junior or senior or whatever, if you're going to want to make an impact, not just as an individual, but as a team. And so I think a lot of people were shocked by what happened in 2014 because it was too young. The team was a year away. Right. And, and there was always that when we talked about the Heisman Trophy, right? Like, no freshman can ever win the Heisman Trophy. It's never going to happen. Sure. Of course, it did because somebody came out of nowhere and was absolutely mind blowing and insane and whatnot. And so I think part of it is like maybe this stuff happens because of the expectations or at least the, I don't know, the impression that we get of a team before they even play a game. Like, I didn't look, my season prediction for this team before the, the year started was nine and three. And a lot of that was predicated on the fact that they lost so much experience. Yeah. And I've been thinking for the past month, like maybe I'm stupid. <laughs> like Maybe experience doesn't really matter at all when you have that much talent. And I just, it's tempting to be like, okay, when are they going to screw it up? When are they going to do something? But honestly, like at this point I I'm sold. Like I don't need to look for any failings because I, I don't think that they have any more than any other you know team in the country. Like I think they've earned that, you know, three to one odds to win the national championship. I think they've proven that both through coaching and their players, like they're, they're good. They're really, really good. A couple of things on that. Number one, the reason that you thought they would go nine and four is because that's what mortal coaches do. <laughs> right, right. right? Well, that, we don't have a mortal yes. coaching us. Uh, Nick Saban and Urban Meyer aren't mortals. They, they aren't people who have drop off and have rebuilding years. They don't, they don't, it's not acceptable. The way that they identify, recruit, and develop talent allows for a year-to-year, in-it-every-single-year approach. And it's really hard for no matter, I mean, look how spoiled you are as somebody. Who, I mean, can you imagine if you grew up in Illinois and you were an Illini fan or you're an Iowa fan or <laughs> hell, even a Michigan no, I fan can't or imagine. Notre Dame? That's the crazy or, part about it. What's that? I can't imagine it. That's the crazy part about yeah, it. Right? You've never had that, man. Like, right. even at your worst, you were right. really good. Like, you've never, most Ohio State fans, the worst, okay, like the 90s sucked. Coop couldn't beat Michigan. Okay. But my God, you were in the hunt every year. Yeah, I mean, you, you've never had there are people who are listening to this podcast. The majority of people who are listening to this podcast have no recollection of Ohio State being irrelevant. Think about that. It's yeah. never happened. 
I mean, that's nuts, buddy. Like the best programs in football are irrelevant. Alabama was irrelevant. I mean, they had Mike DeBose as a coach. They tried hiring. <laughs> they had the old boy from uh, from Washington State, Roll Tide Roll, who got busted before he ever got on campus. They had Dennis Franchoni. Mike Shula coached Alabama. I mean, they were irrelevant for a decade. You know, uh, Mike the Shula. grid. I mean, you yeah. look at Michigan's been irrelevant for six years. Right. You know, they were irrelevant with all those ridiculous hires they made. Notre Dame was Notre Dame went Bob Davey, Tyrone Willingham, Charlie Weiss off the grid, man. Irrelevant. And we've never had that. And even if even with that history of never being irrelevant, or at least not I mean, there were a couple years in Coop and a couple years for for Earl, but you know what I'm talking about. Sure. Yeah. Even even with almost almost never being irrelevant, Ohio State fans don't have a a a, a backstory on this. They don't have anything to prepare them for this. A point <laughs> of reference is the is the phrase I'm looking for. Even right. you don't have a point of reference for this type of turnaround. You, you know? know what's funny though? Like, so here's the thing, because I, I I think that's an excellent point. But the thing about Ohio State fans is that for whatever reason, I think part of the reason why we can't really appreciate that, or at least we we think that we can equate it with other teams is because Ohio State fans, I think, have this attitude that Ohio State is always on the precipice of being bad. You know what I mean? Like, we've got to keep it up. It's got to keep it up. It's got to be generational, though, right? I mean, you, yeah. you're so beaten down by what happened in the 90s. If, if, you're in your, if you're in your 30s or early 40s, you were so beaten down by what happened in the 90s where national championships were snatched from you by these absurd Michigan and Michigan State teams that stole it from you. And then if you're uh, in your mid to late 20s, you have seen, you saw what happened with, with Tress against Urban and Tress against LSU, and you saw those teams handle you on the big stage. Yeah. And even younger fan, I mean, even Urban, who's had who had Michigan State snatch two national championship, one for sure they were going to play in it. And the other one, they, I mean, both, if they would have won both those Michigan State games, they would have played for national titles. And, right. and, and so you, th- that's why I think, too, to your point, I think there is this no matter how good we are, we're going we're gonna to get it snatched. I had a buddy of mine, diehard Michigan or Ohio State fan. And w- when Ohio State played Michigan State, Braxton was a junior. 2013 and i'm like they're they're gonna go play florida state for the national championship i was all jacked up ohio state florida state the two schools i've covered the most in my life i had so many friends on both sides how much fun would that have been at the rose bowl that would have been unbelievable oh fantastic this, this buddy of mine goes he's like dude i'm telling you we're losing i said they're not losing to michigan state <laughs> out of your mind God, are you kidding me did you have you watched this team they can't tackle braxton miller and carlos hyde i'm not worried about this at all and i <laughs> sat there and i watched and i saw urban eating pizza in a hallway so I, I do get where there's that apprehension to crown oneself. I do. Yeah. I know. I do get where that's from. Maybe it's the professional game bleeding over into the college game a little bit with that attitude. Which part of it? You know what I mean? Like Browns fans and Bengals fans. Like you, when, as a general football fan, you're just always going to have that nagging, like hot feeling in the back of your head whenever you get a little success as a college fan. You're like, yeah, but the Browns still suck. Like. <laughs> Like, things are going good now, but who knows, you know, like right. Dean Smith could take the team to, you know, Maryland and you're screwed <laughs> and you're sad for the rest of your life. Like, you don't there know. is a, there is a feeling I think um, 
for for Ohioans that is deep rooted in that we can't have nice things, <laughs> right? You know, we don't want nice things, but we pretend that we do. Right, exactly. Like whatever we have that's nice is taken from us. I mean, the funniest right. thing, one of the strangest things that I've ever inc- watched in my life has been this summer in Cleveland, and you know they they've won. I don't know if you noticed, but they've won the NBA championship. Right, <laughs> this kid yeah. named LeBron James fulfilled a prophecy and he won an NBA championship to Cleveland. Like they have a title. There's nothing to bitch about. You have a title. Oh, by the way, your baseball team, despite more injuries than anybody could ever deal with, had the second best record in the American League. And I turn on the radio up here and all they want to do is bitch about the Browns. I'm just convinced <laughs> that they can't they don't know how to be successful. They they don't I don't mean that they don't know how to be successful as, as people. What I mean is they don't know how to vocalize success. Right. All they know how to do is fall back on the the Browns suck thing. Like who cares? Like your Indians are going to play the Red Sox in three days. And and so there is some of that, I think, in the state of that, that whole thing. And we can't have nice things. Yeah. And how do we handle success? Like, are, you know, it's real easy for fans of the Patriots, you know, USC football or Miami football when they were great. Like it's a big braggadocious, cocky fan base. And one thing I think Urban's had to try to bust down, and I think it's rubbed some people the wrong way before he won the national title, was the idea of swag in Ohio. I mean, that's yes. Pantone's big word, right? Was you know, four years ago, it was all about swag and all that, you know, like, how do we get that in Ohio? Because that Trestle didn't coach that way. The Trestle teams weren't like that. They weren't about swag. They weren't about that at all. They were very business-like approach. And then Urban had to, Urban comes on pretty strong with that stuff. And it rubbed people the wrong way at the beginning, but we're obviously very comfortable with it now. It's kind of nice to be the guy with your chest puffed out all the time. So uh, I, I do sense where that, where that comes from. I do. And then I agree with you. I think it is, I think it is real. I just know a lot of people and I've talked to people after like the U aired on, you know, ESPN and, you know, a lot of people loved it. A lot of people online, like, God, this is amazing. I love how crazy they were and how just like, you know, in your face and all that other stuff. And they were just like a super, they were basically like, you know, I don't know. They're kind of like a teen Nick television show that aired in like the early nineties. <laughs> like everything's radical and neon and people yeah. wearing huge sunglasses. And that just, in Ohio, we just want it to be gray and rainy and then <laughs> just go to work with your lunch pail. And that's fine. But I just, it, it cracks me up because you've got the perfect team. Like we were talking about it on Slack. Uh, you know, one of our favorite guys, at, you know, on 11 Warriors is uh, DeMar McCall. And, and that right. dude is hilarious. He is yeah. just the embodiment of like having fun and being cool and going out. <laughs> and, Honestly, like I would think it would be really sad if Ohio State fans didn't embrace a dude like that because he deserves to have some attention and to enjoy what he's doing. And like I, you know, I agree with you. I think a little bit has changed because of the success that Urban Meyer has had. But I, I want us to fully embrace that a little bit. Maybe not the swagger part, but at least the enjoyment and like going out there and just being goofy and having fun. Because honestly, that's what makes college football more interesting, in my opinion, than the NFL. Because you're allowed to have personality. You're allowed to be weird. You're allowed to be goofy. And I just think we should encourage that. I don't know. I agree with you. You said something that I, I wanted. I want to jump into you with next, and that was college football versus the NFL. Yeah. And, and I don't. Maybe it's because I was in Columbus and Tallahassee. I've been in college towns a lot, you know, for most of my professional career. But um, I, I really, I don't know how you can compare a college football Saturday to an NFL Sunday. I, I think a college football Saturday annihilates it. I don't even think it's close. The, the yeah. type of things that happen on a weekly basis in college football. You, you watch the team, your game, right? Whichever, whoever you're interested in, obviously most people here are interested in Ohio State. So you watch 
Ohio State and you see this brilliance of all these playmakers, everybody scoring touchdowns, and you know, it's like Oprah, you get a touchdown and you get a touch, everybody gets touchdowns. <laughs> and then and then after that, you start flipping channels, right? And Barstool does this great thing Saturday sort of for the boys. It's you know, that Portnoy guy's worth millions and you can see where it's come from. Like he he Saturdays for the boys, he puts it on a t-shirt and they're gonna sell it over the country. But the Saturdays is for the boys. And when you start flipping channels on Saturdays, and I, I did it this Saturday, and after Ohio State, uh, you know, then it was on to Michigan and Wisconsin. Right. And that game was kind of blah, but it went, you know, there was until the very end, you didn't know what was going to happen, right? Right. Um, and then at the same time, I'm watching Tennessee and, and Georgia. And I, I watched Georgia with this kid. I don't know if you watch Friday Night Lights, the television show, who looks like Tim Riggins, quarterback <laughs> in Georgia who takes them right down the field and they score, they go 80 yards in 50 seconds and he scores with 10 seconds on the clock. And yeah. He's running around. I'm thinking, God, he's got Lila Garrity in a dorm room. Like this guy's got the, <laughs> this, guy, this guy's going to have the greatest life of his life. And then in classic Tim Riggins fashion, he's not right. allowed to have nice things either. either. And, and Tennessee through some absurd situation wins on a hail Mary. I'm yeah. going, God, how the hell do you top that? And then, I flipped the channel and North Carolina hits a 54 yard field goal to beat Florida state in Tallahassee. And then I'm going, how the hell that happened too. And then I'm watching <laughs> Louisville and Clemson. And how do you beat that game with those two? Oh, yeah, that was fantastic. Like, that's what I mean. Like how, oh, and then Michigan state losing to Indiana. I mean, there's so much going on and I know they have more games to, to pull from. And some people are just NFL people. But to me, if, when you take the complete unpredictability of college football, the incredible passion of of the places where the games are played and when you take the the fact that the games even with a 14 playoff the games matter they right. really matter i mean the nfl the steelers laid an egg 2 weeks ago at philly who cares what did it it didn't do anything they they right. go and they annihilate the chiefs at home the next week and they look like the best team in the afc like it nothing one game means nothing you can be one and three like the colts or the panthers or the cardinals and you're fine you can still make the playoffs right. You can't be one and three in college football. You can't be. You can lose a game, but you can't lose two. You can't lose three. And so, like, to me, when I compare the two, I find myself almost having next to no interest in the National Football League right now. And it's because I consume so much college. And to me, even if the product's better in terms of the people who are playing it, it's not as interesting to me. I mean, honestly, guy, like, I'm a Bengals fan, you know, ostensibly. But... Uh, they had a game on Thursday that I totally forgot about. And then they won. I was like, that's yeah. fine. That's good. <laughs> you know, like, and you've got a good team. Yeah. And I enjoy watching the Bengals and, you know, I'll, I'll turn them on when they're on. I'll listen on the radio, but it's not something that I really have any kind of emotional investment. In. Now, granted, that's because I grew up, you know, at a time where it was really unhealthy to have an emotional investment, you know, in the Cincinnati Bengals. But, you know, honestly, part of the reason why I've always liked college more is just because it's, I don't know if this is the right word, but I would say it's more like tribal, if that makes sense. And by tribal, I mean each individual team has its own culture. And obviously that's a culture that's brought upon by the coaches and how they want to do it. But when I watch an NFL game, it feels a lot of the times like the same team playing itself. You know what I mean? Like the, I agree the, with you completely. Right. The schemes are the same. The, the same uniforms type of look different. Right. But that's right. It. And it, there's no flavor to it. And when you're watching – 
college football, it's like, okay, these guys run the triple option for some freaking reason. This right. guy's like a crazy, like crazy legs, Braxton Miller type quarterback, you know, and you know, Louisville. And then you've got a bunch of these other teams who these guys are pro style. They're playing against the guy who has like three running backs with over 500 yeah. yards already. Like that's the kind of stuff that really, really interests me because there's no chance of watching a game. That's the same as another game that's going on at the same time. They're all different. And in so many different ways. And that's to say nothing about the coaches who are all their own crazy personalities too. So I just, I love the variety that you get out of college football. And and then of course there's the whole, you know, individual schools with their own cultures. I mean, of course, Ohio state's got so much stuff, especially with the band. I mean, that stuff will endlessly entertain me until I die. And I just, yeah, I got to go with college football because there's just so much to pay attention to and so many things to get into. Yeah, I'm not surprised that either one of us said that we like college football more. I am surprised, for me at least, and it's interesting what you said about the Bengals. I feel the same way about the Bears, maybe just because I hate Cutler so much. He's made them so hateable. <laughs> but I, 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 used to, I was a big Bear. As a kid, people, somebody asked me, were you always a college football fan? I said, no, not at all. In Montana, there was no, I didn't watch college football. I watched the NFL. But right. as soon as I got a taste of big-time college football, it was done. And, and you bring up a great point. I, actually, the coaching is better in college because everyone is allowed to be creative. Yes. For whatever reason, creativity in the NFL, just it doesn't fly. Like People try running the Wildcat, but it's just gimmicky nonsense. Like Nobody tries to run. I mean, look at Chip Kelly. I mean, what an abject failure he's been trying to run that offense. And I don't know if it's because my guess is it's because the defenses are so big, fast, and strong that they can cover so much more area. That's the only thing right. I can think of. Um, but you simply can't do it that way. I mean, you look at some of the anon. I mean, like Ben McAdoo coaching the Gi- – could you pick him out of a lineup? Some of the people <laughs> that are coaching in the NFL? And that's the New York Giants. Right. It, you know, that's pudgy white dude in a windbreaker headset. Like, that's yeah, – that's Who is that guy? Like, that guy gets to coach the Giants? You know, like, the Giants of college football are like – who would the Giants be in college football? I mean, it'd be a big time program. The yeah. Giants won a lot of Super Bowls. Like you know who's coaching at Alabama. You know who's coaching at Texas. I mean, yeah, it's it is. I, I just think it's just such a far more interesting product. And you know, people, I somebody said it to me. Yeah, but I was getting into it with somebody. That, yeah, but the, don't you like watching things at their absolute peak? And I was like, you know what? I remember no. watching. Somebody made me watch Citizen Kane, and I okay, great. But I, I like a few good men better. I, I'd rather watch a few good men than Citizen Kane. I'm sorry. Right. Like Citizen Kane might be the best movie. Whatever. Say whatever you want. I want to see Nick. I want to see Jack. You know, like it doesn't always have to be because these guys are at the highest level. To me, it's just not as interesting. It's just not. I, there's right. nothing on the NFL that can compare to what happened this Saturday and most Saturdays in college football. I mean, it's all about creativity, right? I mean, and, yeah, I think so. Yeah. And I'm not a huge fan of, like, for instance, College Game Day, right? Like, I don't really like how it's presented. But on the other hand, is there anything even remotely equivalent to the NFL? Like, it's a bunch of dudes in a sterile studio talking for several hours, but there's oh, no audience. Just laughing acting. at each other. Yeah, it's, it's laughter. Nothing... 80 guys on a set. Yeah, no, it's... Yeah. Right, and there's nothing to it. And it's just, when you when you have a campus environment and then all the students are going crazy and whatnot, you can't replicate that in the NFL. And frankly, like... They tried. Do you remember when yeah. Fox tried, when they tried to make Joe Buck the studio host and the lead game announcer because they think so highly of him? Right. They tried to make him do both, and they took, they took the NFL Today on the road. And, and it's he would weird. Be, he'd be like in Jacksonville, and there'd be 18 people there. Right. Like, it's just weird. It's totally. It doesn't work because there no. isn't the passion is not there. It's just not. The NFL passion is not there. It's not. And the other, the other part of it, and this is a, on a serious tone, is, and this is a big reason, I, I really don't like the idea of Ohio Stadium selling liquor. 
I know that won't be popular with the people on here, but I liked the fact that I could, it was, you know, if you want to get lubed up outside, you know, that's going to happen. But I didn't, I don't like the idea of people drinking at college football games because liquor leads to big problems and it's not safe to take kids to an NFL game. I would never take my kids to a No, it's not. They'd have to be 20. I mean, I'm not taking a, not that's facetious, but I mean, I would not take him under 15 to a Browns game. There's no way. Um, There's just no chance. And I've taken both my boys to Buckeye games and they're four and a half and three, you know, so that's, and I've never felt any issue. I mean, nothing. So that's another part of it as well. But yeah, I, it's interesting. And I saw the NFL numbers keep declining. I was thinking of that watching Sunday night football. And I, you know, what was that old line? Everybody's waiting for Sunday night. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm done. <laughs> I've watched enough. I mean, you have a game on Thursday. You got a game on Monday. I'm from the generation that Monday night football was a big deal. That yeah. used to be the one. And that was nice. It was like this one thing you waited for. Now there's football three nights a week on the NFL. If I didn't have fantasy, I don't think I'd even be paying attention to it. Man. And well, okay, so that's actually the point that I wanted to make. And we talk, you know, you want to talk about declining viewership numbers. How much is fantasy football allowing the NFL to kind of like float on with what they've been doing, right? Because oh, to me, that is that is the ultimate life preserver for them. And again, this sounds insane, right? That we're even talking about the NFL, like maybe struggling in any way for like it's viewers. relative. It I mean, is relative. relative. But my yeah. point is, is that I, I think a lot of it is being buoyed by things like fantasy football, a lot of the packages that they have, the the television deals that they already have in place. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't want to predict anything with the NFL, but I'm really, really interested to see at which point do they start to try to maybe overreach a little bit because they have been riding so high for so long that I think at some point they're going to go like, yeah, shoot, we can do anything we want. And they're going to say, okay, let's put three teams in Europe. Who cares? Like yeah. I, I, I I am very interested to see how their management of their product will kind of progress in the next five to ten years, and also how are they going to deal with things like the concussion issue and a lot of other stuff, especially with like you know all the controversy that they've had with how they've handled things like domestic violence. Yeah. Um, th- I think there are a lot of cracks in the foundation of uh, college and NFL football, but I think the NFL is less prepared to deal with those maybe than college. Well, is. college football is good. the big elephant in the room in college football is pay for play athletes, and they, yeah. that's hanging out there as the money right. continues to ex- escalate. At some point, you're going to have to compensate those kids. Um, and so that'll be their albatross, just as concussions are the NFL's. The, the other thing, I, when you asked it, will the NFL ever go too far? I think they did by putting a game on Thursday night. Mm, I think that's yeah. too far. They're putting they're putting on a subpar product. I mean, those games are garbage. They're always blowouts. <laughs> I've talked to plenty of guys who play in the league, and they say, "Look, it's we've you know pretty quickly who's going to win those games." And the opposite team basically pushes the chips in and says, "Yeah, we're good. Let's just get the hell out of here." Like we just played four days ago. Like I just beat my brains in four days ago. Now I got to play again for a made for TV bunch of nonsense. Like, and that was all done to prop up the NFL network. Right. Right. So they've already jumped the shark where that's concerned that, that, that is not the best thing for the game is to play a Thursday night football game. Nobody needs that. Nobody needs that. And they did it. And so they've already oversaturated their market. Um, I'll be fascinating to see where it goes. Um, Any way you slice it, it's, it is an interesting thing. And it's, it's certainly both football college and pro are clearly, you know, this country's passion, and that's not going to change anytime soon. Um, right. Speaking of passion, did you – this was – I just think this is so funny. Uh, so Urban went over a million Twitter followers. I'm sure most people know that. And then yeah. – so Harbaugh then goes over. Just so I get the story straight, Harbaugh went over like minutes later. and then <laughs> It was somebody, like five minutes later. <laughs> okay, yeah, and then somebody did the investigation, and he bought like 5,000 Twitter followers to get over yeah. a million. And then I saw a report that he has like 600,000 Twitter followers that he bought. 
<laughs> I don't even know how you do that. Like, how do you buy Twitter followers? A lot of you, eggs. I guess. Yeah. Like, yeah. The eggs. That's right. Yeah. So like, how do you go about that? How do you, what, what is your place in life that you feel like you need to go buy Twitter followers? I suppose <laughs> in a college football coach situation, there's some validity to having a bunch to make it seem like you're the coolest dude ever or whatever. Yeah. But I just think this is hilarious. That Honestly, like it. If I was got 600,000 fake Twitter followers, that's the funniest thing I've ever heard. Well, not only that, not only is it funny on the face of it, but it almost feels like if you got to buy that many Twitter followers, I like who do you buy it from? Like to me, that's more shady that than going out like buying weed. Like, right. I, I mean, like it seriously, like it sounds like a weirder deal. Like I got to buy these Twitter followers, man. I got to, I got to bump up my numbers on Twitter. Who am I going to call to do it? Like that seems odd and strange, yeah, and, and very much a Harbaugh move. But I'm sure that they had like somebody was definitely watching. Urban Myers like numbers tick up and go, oh, we can't have that. And that, I mean, that's part of the whole marketing thing. You know, it's 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 part of keeping up with the Jones, Joneses and whatnot. And I'm sure to some kids, maybe that matters. I mean, maybe that's a significant part of how they make their you know decision where to go to college. I don't know, but I I think that's fantastic. Uh, I think it's indicative of the lengths to which you know coaches are going to go to try to keep up with anybody else. Um, yeah, yeah Rob Sturman Meyer for getting a million. I got, I'm sitting on about 2,800, so <laughs> I think I'll get there. I'll get there. Yeah, there, I do. I can tell you, I know for a fact that, uh, I know a media guy who did that, who bought a bunch of Twitter followers and, <laughs> and then I got this detailed email by somebody who hates them, who sent me like an anonymous email and saying, look, he did it. You should expose him. I'm going, <laughs> oh, for God's sakes. Number one, why do you have this kind of time on your hands to expose somebody buying Twitter followers? And then I thought about the person I'm going, what in the hell are you doing buying Twitter? Like who does that? Who's got that kind of time? Um, but yeah, so so that was definitely interesting. Um, so before we get to uh, ask us anything, and then I've got a Game of Thrones story for you. Um, okay. We, we let let's do this. I think what we should do is the the Ask Us Anything is brought to you by the Dry Goods Store at Eleven Warriors, where yes. we have the new basic de- defense shirt that is out. I wore the Sherman shirt out in Cleveland at a pumpkin patch. Uh, I shouldn't say Cleveland. It was actually uh, southwest suburbs, uh, southeast suburbs of Cleveland uh, that I wore the 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 pumpkin to the pumpkin patch, and I got a lot of compliments on the Sherman shirt, which made me think of you. Yeah, made me think of you. And um, yeah, and 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 your 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 claim that you know more about William Tecumseh Sherman than anybody (laughs) in Ohio. So I that made me very. I was very pleased that many people recognized it and got the joke. Um, I'm so pleased that, too. That, that's that 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 really gives me good. faith after last week's uh, revelation <laughs> that person who will continue not to be continue named. To be named nameless. Continue to be named nameless. Yes, good kid. Just good kid. What are they oh, teaching boy. at your school? What are they teaching up there? Uh, that's all right though. I'm glad that I'm glad to hear yeah. that. I'm really glad yeah. to hear that. Yeah. So that happened. So so check out the dry goods store. And I've got an idea for one for the czar that I got to pass along to him. Um, that I think I don't. We're gonna might have some tricky trademark stuff, but I think we can maybe be able to slip around it. So we might have to talk to the legal team, but I think it'd be a big hit. Okay, that sounds good. Right. I like that. Uh, are we ready for ask us anything? Yes, uh, we are ready. We have several questions this week, so we can All right. get rolling here. Uh, if you guys want to ask us anything, you can send us an email uh, to uh, dubcast at eleven warriors dot com or hit us up on Twitter at eleven dubcast. Uh, by the way, so speaking of Sherman, uh, a guy uh, named uh, Left Coast Buckeye sent us. Well, a pretty lengthy email about uh, William Tecumseh Sherman. He's also a a Sherman buff. However, he grew up in Lancaster, so he may have a better claim to fame, or at least claim to that knowledge than I do. Than you. (laughs) Uh, 
he was <laughs> the and this is a quote from his email the undefeated out of conference shirt is a lot funnier when you get the joke l m f a o so he apparently liked it enough to use the full uh internet oh, the uh, whole thing there yeah yeah good job okay. yeah uh <laughs> so um he hey, what, real quick, what is the defin- is it what's the definitive book on Sherman? Is there one? Okay, so I would I, I would like to read one. Okay, so I don't know that there's necessarily a definitive book. Um well, then you write it, right? Maybe that's what you're destined to do. Well, there's a lot of really good ones. There's a lot of very good biographies of Sherman. Uh, there's one really bad one though that I I do have to tell you to stay absolutely uh away from. Uh it, it's it's called um I think it's the white Tecumseh is what it's called. Okay. And it's really, really bad. It's just this fawning, like he was the greatest person ever. You know, he never made a bad decision in his life. It's just, it's really hackneyed and and it's just not a good one. Uh, There was actually a, there was one that came out recently uh, that I think was, I I have it sitting on my shelf here real quick. It's called, um, oh shoot. I think it's the, I think it's just called William Tecumseh Sherman. Um, and it's it's in the service of my country, and it, it's it's really like it's a good book. There's a lot of really good ones out there. Um, I think Sherman has had a lot of recent scholarship devoted towards him, um, in part because I think he was a really polarizing figure, and people still care about him. Like especially in the South, they still get angry at the yeah, you know, still his name yeah, for sure. It makes no sense, but um, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of good stuff out there. Just avoid the white Tecumseh. That that is. No, a I will deal. avoid that. So there's no Stephen Ambrose or David McCullough. Not yet. Like not, not, nothing, uh, not anything that... Doris that, Kearns Goodwin hasn't written anything yet? No, not anything that uh, detailed or deep. All right, okay. Well, maybe. Could that be your calling, my friend? That might be your calling. <laughs> I, I, who, who's to say I haven't already gotten started on it? Oh, God, what a tease. <laughs> so in about 15 years, we'll follow up on that one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, okay, so, yeah, I appreciate uh, Left Coast Buckeye saying that to us. Um, Alvin also, uh, you know, Asian chipmunk here had a question that I neglected to ask last week. So I want to make sure I get to this, uh, name one player on a different team that you would want on Ohio state's roster. Miles Garrett. Okay. Texas A&M defensive end. Yeah. I think that's number one in the draft. Probably be him. I mean, you could also, you could say like, you know, the problem is I really like Mike Weber. I mean, Leonard Fournette would be funny, fun for anybody to have, but give me Miles Garrett. Yeah, I think I actually think that's a great choice. Honestly, like I was, I was going to go towards defense, so I think that's that's an excellent choice for and that. It's one. funny, like we're both went to, thought defense, and our defense is the best that it's been. In, <laughs> I know, right? You know, like there's just so few holes. Yeah, which again, I mean, it's it's hard to even call that. But the thing is, I think because you like some of the skill positions so much right now. I mean, maybe you yeah. look at a wide receiver for somebody else, but yeah, I don't know. There's it, there's top to bottom. It's obviously really loaded. Um, so. This is interesting. It's from Jason, and he wants to know who's the best college football player from New Jersey currently starting for another big time program. So he he lists a ton of New Jersey guys. Wow, um, yeah, yeah, I'm glad he did because if I'm, I'm racking my head, I don't I don't know. We got Jabril. So give, give me the guy. Well, that's all right. He, I'm going to read it off because this is this right. is his list. So if all it's right, not so let's just use correct. his list as the definitive list. Yeah. So Jabril Peppers, yeah. uh, Mika Fitzpatrick. Obviously, Noah Brown, Corey Clement, Ryan Izzo, Deshaun Bauer, Mike Gusecki, Jermaine Ulimanor, uh, Andrew Trimbetti, uh, starting defensive end over there at Notre Dame, John Reed, Manny Bowen, Brendan Mahon, uh, Garrett Sickles, Grant Newsom, and Quentin Nelson, uh, right. starting left guard at Notre yeah. Dame. I think it's Jabril Peppers, and I think Jabril is so damn good. 
And yeah. it's, I think that Michigan has to like play him on offense because they don't have enough weapons. So like they have him doing a bunch of stuff, but like if he could just play football, like if, let's say Jabril Peppers played for Ohio state. I mean, you'd notice. I mean, oh he's, yeah. I, he's that damn good. Like he's, he's really, really good. And Brady Hoke landed him, which is astonishing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what would draw a guy with that much flash to Brady Hoke, but I don't know. Brady you know. did okay in recruiting, though. I mean, he's his little leg, and yeah, he did. He must. He he resonated with kids, man. I you got to tip your hat to him. He did a decent job in recruiting. Yeah, he did. And well, and the thing is, I think a lot of Ohio State fans wanted to kind of dismiss Jabril Peppers a little bit because uh, I think he was good last year, but certainly I don't think what he show has shown this year. Um, and I that's to our own peril if you do that because that dude is legit and can yeah, do basically anything on the field. So he's really yeah. Good. Yeah, he's excellent. Uh, this is um, okay. So this is for you. This is mostly for you. Uh, this is from Constantine uh, Costa, actually. Yeah, amazing. Uh, that's his real name. Yeah, Costa, and I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce his last name, but it's a very. It looks like a very proud uh, Western European name. Beautiful. Um, all right. So I'm. A, he says I'm a strong proponent for enjoying my whiskey neat. Mm-hmm. Full disclosure, I am too. Uh, yep. However. At what point do you draw the line for enjoying an expensive bourbon uh, in an old-fashioned or a rye in a Manhattan? Obviously, a Woodford cocktail is better than Beam, but old Rip Van Winkle should never touch ice. <laughs> okay, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not going to go so far as to say old Rip Van Winkle should never touch ice, because if you have one of those, I have sometimes, like, I have some of that, and I'll put it with a, one of, they have those giant sphere balls. Oh, yeah, 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 Sharper you image. can put it on that, and it's good. I prefer it with whiskey rocks. I agree with him. Like, but I I do like my bourbon chilled. So I I'll put some whiskey rocks in it, and that'll keep it cool. Um, right. I I think like it just depends on what you have. Like if right. you're the sort of person who's got 16 bottles of Pappy Van Winkle and and you know eight, eight other elite bottles that nobody can get their hands on, then maybe you use Blantons to make Manhattans or old fashions. So I think that's really the depending on it. To me, what I would say is if you can. Buffalo Trace's entry level bourbon is like twenty one bucks. That's a damn good bourbon, neat or on ice or in an old yeah. fashioned. Like I always have something like that around. That okay. that is always a really good one. Like and it's you can get it anywhere and it's damn good. Blanton's is another one that's a little higher end up up on the price scale. But that's always very Woodford's great. Um, there, there's a lot of them out there that um that you can you can do that with. But yeah, I mean obviously if you got a if you got a bottle of twenty year old Pappy, you you don't want to put that in an old fashioned, I don't think. Although I it's funny because if you go on the internet, you can see Julian Van Winkle mix an old fashioned at Tusk or at Husk in uh Charleston with twenty year old Pappy Van Winkle. So it does happen. But yeah, that's I, kind of the point, right? If you're him and you actually own the distillery, <laughs> you do whatever the hell you want. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting to me. I you know, I don't I don't really drink a whole lot, but I do enjoy a whiskey or a beer from time to time. And I, I've always like I'm I'm a big neophyte when it comes to that kind of stuff. I don't know what I'm doing. You know, it's like just but give me whatever, put it in a glass, I'll drink it. To, to Costa, don't be a snob about it. Like right. some people, don't be somebody like somebody has a somebody's orders a you know a seventy five dollar bourbon on the on the rocks. Like that's how they like it. Like who? What do you care? You know what I mean? I'm not saying that he's that guy, but like that bugs me too when people are like snobs about. Oh, you have to do it this way. Get the hell out of here. Drink it where you want. <laughs> Just as long as you don't put Clamato juice. Uh, that's fine. No, that's highly recommended. <laughs> not in bourbon. Oh, yeah. Fair enough. All right. Yeah. So tell you what, this is kind of a longer story. This is from a guy named Josh uh, F. 
and but I, I want to read it because I think this is really relevant to what we were talking about last week, and okay. I think a really good story. So he says, I'm a member of the Ohio State Marching Band and a regular listener to the show, and I just want to comment on how amazing it was to have Earl Bruce dot the I. Yeah. When I listened to the last podcast, I hadn't really known anything about Earl Bruce other than the fact that he came after Hayes and that he was a good coach that beat Michigan. It was awesome to hear how big of a Buckeye he was, but I didn't really get it until I got to see Earl in person. Mm-hmm. On the Friday practice before the game, Earl came so we could practice the dot. Before music rehearsal, we had him come up and speak for a few minutes, and I can now completely agree that that man <laughs> has to be the biggest Buckeye I've ever met. I had goosebumps a few times while he was talking. He told us the story of his uh, 87 Michigan game, and it really showed how appreciative he was just to be doing this. And, of course, he ended that with a passionate, go Bucks, beat Michigan. Beat Michigan, do you hear me? Uh, we ended up playing Sloopy for him because he said it was his favorite song that we played. It was one of my all-time favorite experiences with the band, and I'm honored to have been on the same field as such a Buckeye legend uh, such as him. So that's awesome. awesome. That's, that's great. Did you see the picture? I, I, I wasn't able to go through our uh gallery of the game but i did see a picture that was shared shared by one of the dispatch photographers of earl with fists clenched yeah. as the band is kind of in the in the foreground kind of you right. can see the bands in the foreground and the look on his face i tweeted it out i'm telling you guys what that meant to that man i mean when he was fired the band went to his house and played i mean that what that band what that school meant that i mean that about brought tears to my eyes honestly knowing him the way that i do and knowing what that meant to him that was as cool a moment as i've seen in that stadium in a really long time yeah that was fantastic i just you know what like i i pray that at some point in my life i'll be able to be that devoted to something that great and then you know be able to have that much appreciation from other people for what i did like i i think that's awesome and uh, josh uh, joshua thank you very much for sharing that story i think that's it's a good one no, that's, that's awesome and That's he cool. did have a question, by the way. So as as a question, uh, what is the best place besides in the shoe to watch a Buckeye game? Well, I mean, I was at I always prefer my house because yeah. I have really, <laughs> you know, we own a furniture store and I have really comfortable furniture and big TVs. So that's yeah. that's that's what I prefer. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I I think uh, in Cleveland, there's this place called Dive Bar. That's a great place to watch games. I can't speak to it anywhere else because it. Up until I moved up here, I went to all the games. So I, I never watched a Buckeye game anywhere other than in a stadium for 10 years. So I, up until that, I'd only ever watched them in, in the stadium. So I've, I've never gone to any bars around Columbus. I wouldn't know where it would be a great place to watch. Yeah, you know what? I don't, I'm, not a big, I'm not a big proponent of going to bars and watching Ohio State football games. Distracting. It is distracting, and I don't like to drink during games because I, I, I want to be able to be lucid while I'm enjoying stuff. Like, I don't – that's just not my thing. Um I don't know. I, I would say maybe just at a friend's house, just chilling. Like I'm not, you know, I don't want a lot of loud noises. I want to be able to concentrate on the game. I want to watch it with people who are also concentrating on the game. So I'm not, I'm not a big proponent of going out and, you know, getting hazy and trying to, no. you know, enjoy it with other crazy people who are yelling and being loud and drunk. I don't want to deal with that. I co-sign um, that. All right. Last question. This is from the Greek law store star. So that's pretty good Twitter handle. Uh, what is the cocktail of choice for each Big Ten East division head coach? And then he got a beer emoji, oh a God. wine emoji, a cocktail emoji, a mimosa emoji, and then a bottle of milk. He's every Big Ten East head coach. All right. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, this is my deal. I always do the drink recommendations, but trying That's to – all right, for all these clowns off the cuff, let's see. Okay, Big Ten East. All right, let's start with D'Antonio. Rocks and uh, sewage water. 
chilled. No, to, I, th- I, I, I envision Mark D'Antonio at the end of a game. I, I bet you that he goes into his office and he, uh, he puts, he gets a low ball glass and he puts some rocks in it. And I bet he pours like Johnny Walker blue on it. That's he okay. seems like a Scotch guy to me. That's what okay. he seems like. Um, Jim Harbaugh, that's simple. That's not a cocktail because it's bad for his body. That's uh, whole milk. I mean, he's just, there's probably two jugs. I picture him like the Indianapolis 500 guys. Like when he's done, he gets like one of those glass tins of milk and he just pours it down his gullet and then he goes and runs or something. I mean, the guy's a lunatic. I have no idea what he's doing, but I guarantee it has something to do with milk. Agree. James Franklin at Penn State. You know, it's probably like Rolling Rock or something like that. You know, which is like this beer, you know, Rolling Rock was a beer in college that was cheap that you could get. And it's from Pennsylvania. And it kind of seems like a cheap or a cheap, you know, knockoff. And that's kind of what James Franklin feels like to me. No, I was about to say, like, it can't be because that's too authentic. No, no. Yeah, no, I I, no, I think Rolling Rock is, too. But it's not very good beer. So I I would say that, like, that's kind of what James Franklin is. Fair. Um, All right. Chris Ash in New Jersey. Chris Ash. That's whatever Urban Meyer drinks. No, that's Tom Herman drinks whatever Urban Meyer oh, drinks. Fair enough, yeah. But we're not doing the, the we're not doing Houston. I would say Chris Ash right now is drinking Everclear because he realizes that he's the head coach. Of <laughs> so that let's go that for for Chris Ash, All and right. then let's go uh, DJ Durkin at at uh, at at Maryland. Maryland, yeah. DJ Durkin. I don't know. I, he strikes me as the type of guy who would be pretty fired up. So maybe he's the type of guy who starts his day with a Bloody Mary. With okay. maybe like a double vodka, Bloody Mary, you know, like eight fingers of vodka and then just splashes the Mary on it. I could, or the bloody on it. I could see him doing that. And Urban is easy. He loves wine. I know that for a fact. Urban Meyer, I'm guessing when he's done, he's he's cracking a bottle of Opus One or Camus or something like that and it, and and drinking wine after a game. Nice. That's that's so, easy. So one last thing, though. We got Kevin Wilson over there. Oh, for God's sakes, leave it to me to leave Indiana out. Kevin Wilson, who I actually think is a pretty damn good coach, but like, what are you going to do at Indiana? So he's got to be a boilermaker, right? Because, you know, you got to beat in Indiana. So he's probably got, I don't, does Indiana have a, a native beer? I don't even know. Do they have one? Sadness, if that's a beer. I don't know. Like, I would say he just mainlines like freaking Red Bull and then just says, all right, he's let's do it. Up. Time for another weekend. Maybe, maybe that's what he's doing. We used to call them bull shots when I was young. I think they're called, uh, you know, I don't know what they're called, but they were called bull shots when I was young. You'd take the, you'd take uh, Red Bull and then you drop it in. What the hell would you? Oh drop yeah, yeah, in? yeah. What would you drop Red Bull in? It end up tasting like. I thought it was like beer, it? right? Like, was it? It was like a dark beer. I thought though, maybe. I don't know. I'm not experienced enough with. Who the hell knows? But yeah, I, I mean that's been 20 years, so I can't really remember. But um, yeah, I would say he's probably doing that. I literally forgot Indy. We play Indiana this week, and I literally forgot they're in the Big Ten East. <laughs> That tells no, you that's that's the cultural impact that they make. So that's a cultural impact. Uh, I'll get you out of here on this because you pre- you know you love thrones like I do. Yes. So my boys are almost five and just turned three this week. So one thing I've tried to do with them with like their toys and stuff is I, I basically want to relive my childhood through them. And one thing I loved as a kid was like action figures. Like it was Star Wars or G.I. Joe. Like those were huge for me when I was a kid. So they don't yeah. really make that stuff anymore. It sucks. One of the two. So one thing that I found is, and you, I don't even know if you're aware of this, you have children, but there's this company called Playmobil, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you probably had those when you were a kid, and they really haven't changed. So the first set of stuff I got them was all the, a lot of this Western stuff, like the forts and all this stuff. And so what we would do is we would go name all the guys. So there's General Sherman, General Jackson, General Lee, 
uh, Billy the Kid, Bill Cody, like everybody was a real guy. So you hear, and it's hilarious to me because I hear my little boys going, you know, yelling at at Buffalo Bill Cody or yelling at, uh, you know, Murphy, who was part of the Billy the Kid, New Mexico, you know, gang battles in the 1860s. And they're yelling these historical figures' names. And every once in a while, I'll jump in and play and I'll do like a Southern voice when I play General Lee or whatever, (laughs) order people around. So for my three-year-old son's birthday, one of the things, and they love it, like they just adore it. And anything that isn't electronic, I'm for. So we got we got in some of the nights set, right? Mm, so, okay. I'm, and my kids were like, my my oldest is like, well, Dad, what's their names? And I'm going, oh, damn, like I know Sir Lance a lot, and I don't know that many night people, right? Yeah. So I go, I'm gonna name all these little bastards Game of Thrones guys. <laughs> I'm like, that's Jamie Lannister, that's Tyrion Lannister. Uh, that's, that's perfect. And, so the funny thing is, my three-year-old, who's very strong-headed, I, he picked. He always wants to be the bad guy, and so he picked sure. his guy. He goes, "Who's this, Dad?" And I said, "That's Roose Bolton." And he goes, <laughs> and he goes, he goes, "No, it's not. It's Danny Bad Guy." And I said, "Honey, it can't be Danny Bad Guy. That's no, it's Roose Bolton." So in order to convince them to get them on board with these ridiculous Game of Thrones names that I was naming all these knights, yeah. I played Reigns of Castamere for them. On oh YouTube. my god! Just the song. Sure. I would hope scene. so. Yes. For God's sakes, not the scene. <laughs> so then um, I was trying to, in order to convince my son that they should name one of the kids, one of the groups of, of guys, the Starks, I, sh- I played the scene where John is, you know, King of the North, where Lady Mor- little Lady Mormont makes oh, the yeah, yeah, speech, yeah. King of the North, King of the North. So I, they're watching that scene. My wife come down and she, she goes, what is that? <laughs> and I said, Oh, I'm showing the boys a scene from Game of Thrones. And and she's going, like, she's seen all the Game of Thrones episodes with me. And yeah. she's she goes, Bo, there's nothing on Game of Thrones that is appropriate for a four and a half and a three-year-old. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I screened it. I think this is gonna be okay. So hilarious. Tonight when I put them to bed, my two three-year-old is going, King of the North, King of the oh North. Oh my god. And my four and a half year old is singing Reigns of Castamere. And that's, that's how so I good. Bed. He that's goes, Dan, so I can't good. get Reigns. I can't get this song out of my head. And he's humming. You know, I'm going, this is phenomenal. Like, this will be great. Now, the, the you're, trick you're will a be. very good father, Bo. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. The, the trick will be keeping them away from it for the next yeah. 15 years. That could be a challenge. <laughs> like, when they, because you know how, you don't know how this goes with kids, but once you give them a little taste of something, they just. Oh, sure. Yeah. Up. So he'll be asking me for me for Game of Thrones stuff on YouTube every 10 minutes. Show me yeah. a dad, king of the north, king of the north. What's that? So I found like the it was I was proud of myself. I think I probably found the one scene from Game of Thrones that there's no cussing and no nudity and no blood. There you go. And, well, I gotta tell you something. If if one of those little Playmobil doggies, you know, starts biting the face off another one, <laughs> like you know you've gone too far. Then it's gone like, too far. A little too far. If Jamie, <laughs> if if Princess, if Princess yeah. Cersei and, and Knight yeah. Jamie start like hanging out a little yeah. too much together, yeah. you've gone a little too far with that. But right now, I think it's a great idea. I think you've done yeah. great. Yeah. Well, I just, I like naming them after historical figures so that, like, because it's a nice inside joke for me. Like, when I hear, like, I hear my little three-year-old go, saying, this is, I'm Lord Bolton or whatever. It's just hilarious. Yeah. So, I'll leave you with that. I thought you'd enjoy the Game of Thrones fun. I did. That was fantastic. All right, brother. What do we got? Indiana next week? God yeah. Forbid. Yeah. Right. And, and, and it'll go great. I'm excited. Well, it'll be oh, good. Yeah. It'll be good. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I think, you know, obviously they handle business. I'm looking forward though, finally, then the week after with Wisconsin, you know, how does this team handle adversity? Cause I think they might get some a little bit against Wisconsin. So I look forward to that and look forward to talking about it with you next week, buddy. Absolutely.